Certified etiquette expert Lisa Grotz, who was recently quoted on Dear Abby, will sit down with us today in the studio. She's the author of A Traveler's Passport to Etiquette. She writes a blog on Huffington Post, which is really cool, and she has a home in Healdsburg. to talk with an etiquette expert. This is so crazy and serendipitous that we'd end up back here uh, because there's so much bad etiquette and there's so much good etiquette and um, we even talked on the phone about the election. So that's even a fun topic to start with. Like, what's the good etiquette um, in politics right now? Just zip it. Good question. I'm going to quote Michelle Obama. When uh-huh. they go low, we go high. Uh-huh. I mean, we are all different and have different opinions. This is why two of the topics that we're never supposed to talk about when in small talk and conversing are politics and religion. Uh-huh. For this reason, we're never going to agree. Uh-huh. I mean, there are members of my family who are angry that I'm voting for a person and you know, they're voting for the other. It's crazy. We can all agree to disagree. So if you feel strongly about your opinion and the other person feels strongly about the other candidate, just keep your mouth. You know, or just keep your opinion to yourself. You don't have to keep your mouth shut. You can listen to what someone says yes. and talk with them, but don't become angry. You know, I mean, that's just ignorance. That's silly. That this is just, you know, it's a very unusual election. Yes. I mean, having worked in politics, you know, I worked for many years for Willie Brown yeah. when he was the mayor. Actually, I worked on his campaign for a year, then he was the mayor. And then before that, I worked for Kevin Shelley, who I'm not sure how long you've been in the Bay Area, but Kevin was a member of the Board of Supervisors. Mm. His father was mayor of this city. Um, and I worked for him in the Board of Supervisors. Mm-hmm. So I have never seen anything like this right. ever. And I'm, I, mean, I think this is the 10th time I voted. And it was my first real ambivalent vote. And when I say ambivalent, I just can't believe of all the people in this country, hundreds of millions, uh-huh. These are our two candidates. Yeah, it's it's exciting to have a woman yes. at the forefront and a and a non politician. You know, yes. I've I thought it'd be always wonderful to have both. I'm just not sure these two are the exact two I was looking for. You know, for this you know kind of landmark year. So either way, it'll be interesting. Yes, um, and I was thinking, what's uh, etiquette on Facebook and social media? Um, you know. I, I guess you just say it's don't pile on people when they prop up their. Well, that's. I'm so glad you asked that because a friend of mine yesterday, who is a major Hillary Clinton supporter, said, "You know what I like to do? I like to just be a voyeur and go to all the Trump sites." And I thought, I'm going to do that on both sides because you were asking me on the phone what channels I watch because I'm a I'm a news junkie and I'm a really indiscriminate. Consumer. News watcher, yeah. Uh, yeah, consumer. I mean, yeah. I shop everywhere. I watch CNN to hear what they're saying about the conservatives. I watch Fox to hear what they're the saying same. about the liberals. Yeah. I critique all the women. They have too much makeup. They're too much jewelry on. I mean, all these things that I teach. I'm thinking, oh, who is teaching these women? It, it drives me crazy on a certain network. So, mm. um, it, it's very interesting. And so, what's phone etiquette? You know, I'm oh. I, like everybody. I'm attached to it, and there seems to be like. It's still moving around, the etiquette, maybe. You know, the rules, Jeff, are happening faster than we can even, you know. I mean, the, they're changing so rapidly. By the time we, you know, implement and learn, we're on to the next rule. I uh-huh. mean, social media is here to stay. And those channels really are 
our new rules. When I started teaching 15 years ago, the phone was not the cell phone. It was the telephone, as in (laughs) hard line. And how many people have those? Me. I must be old. But we still have a hard line number. No one ever calls it. But I just feel better knowing that I always look. There's never a message. You know, when I was single... You know, when you're by yourself and you're always looking, oh, did I have any phone messages? And you look, message. no one has called. He hasn't called me yet. I went out with him three nights ago. And then you're like, got smart and you got a I'm, missed call. Exactly. Least, like, and now the there's no one and, and except, a, you know, just a prank call. So, yeah, I mean, the rules are the same. I mean, etiquette is just a set of rules. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. They are rules that evolve through our culture. I mean, who would have thought, you know, 20 years ago, we wouldn't be using fax machines or, you know, hard lines. They just evolved. So with telephones, the same general rules apply, obviously. It's so much about common sense mm-hmm. and using the golden rule. I don't mean to sound biblical because it does come from the Bible, but, you know, it's doing unto others as you would want people to treat you. That's really it. If you put yourself in that position every time you're about to do something, I guarantee you're going to make the right decision. You know, on the phone, for example... On iPhones, it's easy because there's no slamming anything down. But if you're on a hard phone, you know, wait till the person hangs up first, then put the receiver down uh-huh. so they don't hear like the slamming in your face. Always start on a nice note and end on a nice note, just like in a story. You know, you have a beginning and you have an ending. I mean, all these things are just common sense, mm-hmm. I think. At least that's what I try to teach people that I have over the years. Yeah. Um, what about, uh, you know, dining etiquette? You know, we were at this dinner party, and Barbara has, you know, new glasses for the after brunch champagne. I mean, we were she going did. through. I know, poor thing was in the kitchen for wear. hours after. She doesn't like anyone in her kitchen after. Those yeah, are her yeah. roles, right? I wanted to just right. no, they don't go in the dishwasher. Well, you could have told her which. No, 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 it's her house. It's her role. Oh, well, dining etiquette. I mean, this is one of my favorite topics. I mean, for years, I taught business and social etiquette and entertaining. But I really, for the business sector, I always felt it was important to start with the business etiquette first. You know, you really have to first know how to make eye contact and shake hands and have a conversation in order to, you know, sit at a table, have a meal, close a deal, et cetera. But I think the entertaining is the most fun because that's where I get the most amount of questions. I mean, there's not a day that goes by when, when someone finds out what I do, they're, they stand a little tall or they say, oh, I'm going to have to watch my manners. And oh, I yeah. love it. And I laugh. And I say, are you guys kidding? I mean, I'm, and <laughs> what they don't know is that I do use it for my everything, for my stories. I mean, that's how I get my topics. But I, the, the first rule is always putting everyone at ease. I mean, mm-hmm. if you're going to spill on someone at dinner, which I've done, or someone spilled on me, you know, it's how you react and treat people that goes the longest way. I mean, knowing which fork to use and when is important. But all these other things, I think, you know, that trumps the, the fork if you make people feel at ease and, comf- you know, comfortable, like Barbara did that day. You know, mm-hmm. just use whatever and let's have fun and... But there are rules, you know, rules for the table. Even then, I don't know if you remember the gentleman sitting across from me whose name I can't recall said to me, people pay you to do this? And I said, they do. That was a nice question. <laughs> right, yeah. it was a nice question. But yeah. his, because he, he couldn't believe it because he grew up, you know, learning manners. And, he, yeah. you know, it's sort of like, do they teach children, you know, music in schools anymore or, you know, art? It's like they just expect their family to do it. Well, guess what? Not everyone is so lucky and grows up with parents like I did who, you know, ingrained it into me. I mean, mm-hmm. well into my 30s, I recall my mother saying to me, did you send so-and-so a thank you note? Did you send so-and-so a condolence note? And I remember also saying, Mom, I've got it now. 
okay, I'm 35 years old. I know to send the notes, but she started with me so young mm-hmm. that it that just became rote. habit. It's a habit, just Shoot. like anything else we do. It's like teaching a dog or a child how to behave. It's the same mm-hmm. thing. You just, oh, like after I leave here, of course I'll write you a thank you note. Of it may course. already be addressed and have a stamp on it. That's how you <laughs> do it. Maybe it does. I don't know. Well, you know, with the phone um, and, you know, with someone hosting a party, you really, the rule is, you know, you should send a, a note within 24 hours, 48 max, so the message is not forgotten. And yes. it's so easy to do. One correspondence card, three lines, a nice stamp, a hand address, it really goes a long way, especially when you think of all the time that someone went into putting on an event. Mm-hmm. You know, you'll be glad you took the few minutes to say thank you mm-hmm. versus online, which is okay too. I think it's a nice start. So with business etiquette, I mean, that's I, I do send thank you notes, not as much as I should. Mm-hmm. Thank you for the reminder. Um, but I'll, uh, you know, sometimes have a studio assistant uh-huh. write out most of it because they have better handwriting than I do anyway, and then sign it. I think that's fine. Is it okay? Sure, why not? But you should have your own, you know letterhead or your own stationery, you know, your yeah. social stationery with your name on it. And yeah, I mean, as long as it looks like it's, you know, personalized, you know, from you, or you could even ahead of time, you know, write kind of generic notes for her, whoever's doing it, mm-hmm. and then they can just kind of copy what you is do. That, is that something you would teach in the business etiquette? Like Not that have... to have someone write the note, but to write the note. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I'm doing to We cut that part out. No. <laughs> you know, my sister used to be in HR. And we always talked about this. I would call her for tips. And she'd say, you cannot believe how many people don't write notes, thank you notes, after an interview. Send mm-hmm. it a quick email. Email is easy. We, we live in a disposable society. It is easy to send a quick email. It's easy to put 20 people on the list and send it. I mean, it makes volunteer work easy when you want to reach groups of people. But if you're interviewing for a job in this competitive environment, the ones that are going to write the notes are going to stand out. And that you know, prospective boss is going to remember it. 100% is actually 100%. sticks out when they don't send it. I interview oh, that, a lot. Or they send an email. I would judge the candidate on that. If they just, and if they how just they don't, eat, if too. they just don't, uh, and how they eat. Yes. And that's one of the things that I always taught at my business etiquette classes. I don't teach them anymore, the business etiquette portions, but we would sit down and do the business etiquette class. And then mm. we'd talk about entertaining, how to set a table, how to eat difficult foods, you know, walk through the meal from the beginning to the end. And then we would sit down and eat the meal together. I think that's very important. So I've got a question about, um, you know, being a designer, you know, last time we were at the Fall Antique Show, Fall Art and Antique Show, Yes. you make a lot of small talk, you must teach us some business classes, but how do people order some rules to go by for making small talk? Oh, small talk is one of my favorite subjects. And I'm so glad you said it as in small talk, because it really is light conversation. It's banter, nothing heavy. It just enough to get you in the ballpark Mm -hmm. or last night at Fort Mason, you know, a few minutes on your way to have shrimp or a cocktail. And you just have to remember about small talk is you need to ask people questions where they're not going to answer back a yes or a no. I've always found that a lot of people are shy. Mm-hmm. And if you ask a question and it only gives a one-word response, you're not going to get anywhere in small talk. So one thing I do is I have a list of good small talk, oh. good topics and bad topics. The bad, I think I've already mentioned. Politics, oh, right. religion, the cost of things, anything personal. If you're having a bad day, you know what? I was having a migraine last night, but it was no one's business. I'm not going to sit and say, oh, I ha-, when they say, how are you? That's small mm-hmm. talk. I say, 
wonderful. Doesn't this, isn't this party beautiful? I love Dan McCall's lamb chops. Not, oh, I've had the worst headache all day. I feel like, you know, crap. Excuse yes. my French. That's not what small talk is. It's to, to draw the other person in and just be nice enough to get you in the conversation. So I have, a, I, I have this friend named Dave McKnight, and we had this discussion about what people really want to hear when they say, how are things, you know? Yeah. And I, I would They do don't want to hear they don't, right? about your life. They want to hear, oh, how have you been? How was your summer? What's going on to fall? But if, you stick with, if, if, if you're uncomfortable and don't really know how to engage in small talk... You just start with the basics. You're there for all the, there for the same reason. You do the headlines in the news, what's going on, who's winning the World Series. Mm. What you do is you read, and now it's so easy with the internet, read the headlines in the newspaper every day. If you don't read a hard copy, which a lot of people don't, but that shows my age too because I still read newspapers. How many and, newspapers do you have delivered? Oh, I don't. Oh, oh. We have just two delivered, mm-hmm. but I read so much online. You know, yeah, it just yeah. feels like by the time I read the news in the paper, that was like two days before 100%. I saw it online. Yeah, exactly. But you should always know what's going on locally, uh, you know, mm-hmm. Bay Area section here, mm-hmm. say sports page. A lot of people, don't, I'm, I don't, I like sports. I don't love, I used to work for the Giants, so I like baseball. I always check their baseball scores, but you should know what's going on. So these are conversation points. What's the latest movie? What's the best restaurant? Light topics, you know, nothing heavy. It's just how it works. And then also, friends in common, like last night I was saying my friend Ben was there, who is a designer, uh-huh. and I introduced him to my girlfriend like this. Marty, I'd like you to meet my friend Ben. Ben is a designer, and he's, his house was on House Beautiful. His home was on House Beautiful on the cover a few months ago. Mm-hmm. Boom. Talking points. Oh, Marty, do you live in the city? What's your house like? You know, just things like that. Nice to see you. You girls have fun. You know, I'll see you later. It's a real skill. I um, actually have learned it really by moving here to the Bay Area. I mean, some of my friends that grew up here, you grew up in the Bay Area too? I grew up in the Central Valley, Sacramento. Central Valley. Where did you grow up? Missouri. Oh, okay. Um, a little people town. there don't talk. <laughs> Just different. <laughs> they, don't, they grunt. No, it's it. <laughs> they, I'm kidding. I'm but kidding. They, it's, you know, it's something I didn't pick up in college yet, but I moved here. And no, I always it's a skill of, set. People going to events, and they, I was always kind of curious, like, geez, they... They really find me fascinating. They ask me a lot of great questions. And they're finally like really locked in. That shows how naive I am. No, they're I They're really didn't. locked in that, that um, oh gosh, this is a real skill I need to pick up. Well, you're same. interesting. So it's easy when you talk to someone interesting you know, who makes it interesting. But it is a skill set, but it's one that I learned before the age of 13. And I'll tell you why. Yes. I had a cousin named Kathy, and I'm only saying her name because I know she's not going to hear this podcast. <laughs> and she and her mom and dad used to come over. And, There's you know, a really big reach to this okay, podcast. Okay. Well, <laughs> no last names. Yeah. Anyway, she would come. She was very quiet. And, she, and my mom would say, oh, you know, Kathy and her mom and dad are coming. And I'd say, mom, please don't leave me with her. And she'd say, Lisa, be nice. I said, she doesn't talk. You know, it's really hard to spend a day with someone your own age that doesn't speak. So on my own, I, don't, my, I have a sister who's seven years younger, so it's not like the two of us were chatting back and forth. That's where I learned how to talk. Because it would be like talking to a wall. So instead of saying, Kathy, how's your day? And she'd say, fine. I'd say, what plans do you have for the summer? I'd ask her questions that would, you know, garner responses that were at least a sentence long. So I could have something to chat with her about. And I think that is a good rule of thumb. Another person that I've learned from is Eleanor Roosevelt. Of course, Mm -hmm. I didn't know Eleanor, but Mm -hmm. she is reputed to, obviously, as first lady, she was meeting and greeting people all the time. If she couldn't find something in common with someone, 
she would run through the alphabet and she'd just start with A and say, well, hello, Jeff. How are those apple crops doing in, you know, wherever you're from? Or B, how about the Chicago Cubs? Can you believe it? She would, she's, I think, went all the way down to F and G until she could find something in common for someone. So I always teach that in my mm-hmm. classes because it's easy for people to remember, okay, we'll just go A, B, C, and we'll start there. If there's nothing, if you have nothing in common, you know no people in common, you don't have industry talk or you're not part of the same clubs, at least you can just make small talk mm-hmm. about what's going on in the world. Those are two great tips, which I will deploy tonight. Good. You can give them to your kids, too. Yeah, it's good. Um, Where do you think etiquette is suffering the most in today's busyness in the world? Is there like an area? You mentioned those are two of my favorite topics, Uh, dining and small talk. But where is the suffering? Like where where does the movement need to happen? Uh, I think with social media, we have a whole new set of rules that no one really knows, you know, this is not dating back to, you know, the 17 or 1800s. This is, you know, the 2000s. What are we doing? Who's making these roles as we go along? You know, who's creating them? And we're kind of just learning them as we, we go on, but it has made our world um, not as interpersonal. And so there's not a lot of face-to-face conversation. You know, there's not a lot of people talking to one another because they're not looking eye-to-eye or seeing face-to-face. They're looking down on their phone. Everywhere I go, I was at Starbucks before having a cup of coffee, and everyone's head was down in their phone, not even reading a newspaper or a book. Maybe they were reading, reading a book online, which I do. Um, but it's just a different way of communicating. And to me, it's going to be so interesting what our society is going to be like. You know, I'm sure the sociologists are going to have a heyday with this just because people don't talk as much. And I think that is a major disadvantage in terms of business. Because, you know, if you have the gift of gab, it can take you a lot of places, as you know. In sales, I mean, the people that have the best jobs right now are the sales guys, sales women and men who are, you know, bringing in dollars and cents to companies. But if you don't know how to talk, I think that's a problem. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love, I mean, Siri is my best friend. I especially love... You talk to Siri, I talk to Siri daily. (laughs) And not only do I ask Siri questions all day long, uh, but, you know... the To elicit, like, a one-sentence answer? Well, sometimes not even that. Let me check that, Siri would say. Uh, Siri, call my husband. You know, whatever. I talk to Siri all the time. Not because I'm bored, but sometimes, you know, I've just got a lot going on in my brain. But I'm dyslexic, and, and one of the reasons I love Siri is I, I like the voice-enabled do you ever use that on your iPhone? Mm-hmm. Okay, I use it on my memos all the time. Of course, I make horrible mistakes, but then I have to go back and edit, edit. it. But I also yeah. do it on my laptop, and it saves me so much time because when I write for Huffington Post or other things, if I have a you know a thought, I just you know type it in, and it's like oh, the internet, social media is wonderful in so many ways. So I'm not going to poo-poo it, but I do think it is going to have, it, and it's already had sort of disadvantages, especially for the younger set. You know, like my nieces and nephews who are obsessed with these phones, you know? I mean, I don't know about your kids, but my sister from a young age, they were, you know, no, no, you may not use my phone. Boundaries big time. You know, phones don't stay in the rooms. They get charged in the, you know, kitchen at night. So none of them are on them. I mean, it's just, it's hard. It's hard for me. You know, I need reminders when I go to church, the movie theater. I went to a funeral not long ago and someone's phone went off. Uh Okay. It was like this. Too bad. No one can see us the glare that you should have seen. And it was a woman. And I thought, you know, come on. We know that only doctors on call really should have their phones on, you know, paging. Yes. And later she said, I heard her say, oh, well, it was my babysitter. Well, then have her text you. You know, you, if you have your phone on, I would be nervous, though. 
you know, that the phone would go off, you know, at a funeral, even texting. But I mean, there are, you got to use your common sense that way. There are times where you have to just, you know, turn it off and put it away. Mm-hmm. I think another thing that's really uh, scary for uh, the world of etiquette is the driving with the phones and the texting. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if that's etiquette, just security and safety. I mean, it just, it's beyond me why companies... Is there a- is there a speed limit and when it's such a low speed limit that it's okay to text and drive? <laughs> that's, that's a trick question. Not no, really I don't think it's a trick question. I say you just can't do that. I mean, yeah. what if you're in a traffic jam and you're not moving for 10 minutes? Uh-huh. Sure, of yeah. course. You know, when you yeah. don't have to look up and down, but if you're not moving. But right. I think you just don't even have your phone you know, near you. If you want to make calls or something. But I think these car companies, we've got to figure something out. That they, you know, disable this texting business when you're in the car, or there's got to be something. Some sort of signal jam. Signal jam. I mean, especially for kids, you know, they think they're just so smart and beyond it, and just, mm-hmm. they're not, and they don't realize it until an accident happens. And yeah, they're driving around a people killer. People killer. And just and, But then again, on my way up to the country, uh-huh. my husband often, we drive together, and we'll be driving, and on the 101, I will see at least four or five you know, offenders. And they're all adults. They're people old enough to know better that are texting, like driving. You can just see them slowing down, speeding up. And I'm thinking, like you're going to kill me and everyone else around In Santa you. Rosa when it's three lanes. Yes, yes. or the, the Narrows in Petaluma, you know, when it kind of, that's when you really have to be a defensive driver, when you mm-hmm. stop and you start and you stop and you start. But this whole business about cell phones, that's why, I mean, they're wonderful, but I think sometimes we have to learn how to turn them off. Yeah. Just turn off our brain. I know. I wonder, like you said, the sociologists, right? They're going to have a, so interesting. a good time. I mean, I didn't even know the word millennial until like five years ago. My husband is on the board of a business school in the Bay Area, and he came home and said, oh, we just had a millennial uh, professor. What do you mean, millennial professor? I mean, a sociologist, I should uh, say, who was you know, talking on millennials. There is such a thing? There is. And, you know, the millennials are some of the people I think we're talking about, you know, the kind of younger, well, I don't know. They've been described many ways, but uh, millennials, I guess, don't really want to learn how to drive. They don't really care. They're, they're more into the causes and the movements and the environment than they are work or money. A lot of them live at home mm-hmm. in the parents' basement. They don't care to be independent. They don't want to drive cars. I find this also interesting because, you know, I couldn't wait to get my license when I turned 16. Yeah, I couldn't wait to leave road. after college. It's like, it's time. And now not wanting to do that is, is mind-boggling to me. So just a few things he taught me. Yeah. Um, and then what about, um, I, I've, I've got this list that you brought, which is so cool. Well, I only write... brought it for you because I've written uh, over 150 yeah. Huffington Post blogs. I mean, that's a big thing. Like Huffington Post, I get a lot of great news from Oh, good. Them. Yes, I and, love and so it. How is it to work um, with, it's with that organization? I love it. I mean, I write a manners blog for mm-hmm. HuffPo, which is the kind of the nickname, and I... Uh-huh. I got the gig in 2009 when I published my book on um, travel etiquette. Yeah. And I write, you know, all things etiquette. I, there's so many topics, it's mind-boggling. It's a never-ending. Your book is A Traveler's Passport to Etiquette? Yes. Kind of how to okay. travel, when, on the plane, packing, at your destination. I mean, this, this is it. This subject matter, as I move forward, I'm changing it up. I'm not going to teach anymore. I've been an on-air contributor on CBS. Um, I'm doing, you know, now videos and podcasts and, and fun things. But I really would like to be an advice columnist. 
Uh-huh. That's my goal moving forward. So one piece of advice that my father gave me years ago when I started my business was you need sometimes to take a few steps back before you move forward. You know, you're just so anxious and you're excited to do it all. So that's the stage that I'm in right now. I've written my blogs for this year for Huffington Post, but I haven't uploaded any of them because my website is dated. You know, th- it happens so fast. Yeah. Like I said, what? what's WordPress? One second, everything's current, and the next, I'm behind in everything. I even had to take a class on social media, and my head was spinning. And I thought I knew everything about all these channels. I know, you know, like 1% of what to do. So now I'm working with a new team of experts that are helping me, and I'm going to launch my new website. And I'm going to have this, you know, have all my blogs will be there, on, of course, but I'm going to have a channel where you can search under the categories for them. Because I have, as yeah. you can see, like, you know, communications, beauty. It, I mean, there's just so much. There's so much content with... With etiquette, which is fun. Um, you've kind of broken this down a little bit. Like, how would you like to be treated? The golden rule. Yes. But there are so many different uh, scenarios we find ourselves in every day. So my mind just spins. I look at this list, and, like, oh, and I go back to this question. Oh, here's the one we wrote down. Uh, you're in an Uber. Everyone uses Uber. You bet. What's the etiquette with talking with the, uh, the passengers or the driver? It's so funny you said that, because just this morning I've been writing my etiquette tips for next year. I'm going to do a tip a week, and that Um, was the last one that I did before I came here, is etiquette, um, Uber etiquette for the driver and the passenger. mm -hmm. And for the driver, I would say, keep the chatter down. I don't like when the driver talks to me. Not that I'm, you know, (laughs) oh, I'm so important. I'm in the back seat. You know, I'm like a limo. I drive, I take the cheap Uber. I mean, I'm cheap. It's like, I I don't need to do that. But I don't want him focusing on me. And how's your day? It's okay when you get in the car. How are you? Wonderful. But drive, keep your eyes on the road. So Mm -hmm. the same goes for a passenger. I'm not going to talk to the driver unless I know a better route than he does. Because a lot of the Uber drivers I find that aren't the the black car and above, they're not really professional drivers. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? Professional in Mm -hmm. terms of this is what they do every day. They drive on the side. Mm -hmm. They don't know what goes on on the streets because they don't live in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. So I'll say, oh, you know what? Traffic is hideous on battery at this time. You know, turn, you know, right here or something. But mm-hmm. for the most part, no, it's just like driving a car. You don't want to have kids or people in the back, you know, barking at you the whole time. You need to concentrate on what's going on. But another uh, good Uber rule that I'm going to use too as a tip uh-huh. is I think it's always a good idea to call the driver. I don't like to text the driver, even oh. though they give you an option on the phone. Yes. Oh. They say call or message. Because what if they're driving? I don't want to text them and have them get in an accident. I've never felt comfortable doing that. So I call and say, hi, um, it's Lisa. I'm standing at the corner wearing such and such, especially if it's a busy area. If I'm in New York City or in San Francisco Financial District, I'm downtown. And it just makes it easier for them because I've had more than one Uber driver who would be parked, you know, half a mile down the street. Mm-hmm. And I'd, and then he wouldn't call me. And then when I finally called him, he's like, well, I'm here. I'm like, why don't you just call me? You, you could have probably had another ride mm-hmm. and 10 more dollars, you know, waiting for me. So, you know, again, those are just common sense rules, tips. Yes. And then what about, I uh, see so you have a like, day spa or beauty tips. Uh, what about day spa? <laughs> what about that? Okay, so, you know, where is it okay to wear my robe? Where should I stay away? Good. Or should I, is it okay? Should I just own it? Wear that robe. Own it. Well, I mean, 
I think it's right? yeah. I think once you're in the spa, it's perfectly okay to I'm, wear the robe. You I'm don't in robe walk, central, but the you don't walk time. in with it. I'll yeah. give you an exception in in the country. Or I swim at the swim club in the winter. Mm-hmm. We all wear our bathrobes to the club. Mm-hmm. It's freezing, so I wear my bathrobe, and we all just wear them, and then we go and shower, and then I put my bathrobe on and go home. I mean, not many places can do it in Healdsburg. Okay, not you can't do that many places, but I mean, the day spa rules are more, you know. Uh, confirm your appointment ahead of time. Don't be late because if you're late 10 minutes, that means your massage is going to end 10 minutes early. Mm-hmm. You know, no tipping. You should tip 15 to 20 percent for you know the for a, a, a um, treatment. Yep. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and you know, just <laughs> basics like that. You know, like day spa, any kind of spa appointments. If you need to cancel, do so within 24 hours. If you're going to be late, by all means, call because they run them like a business. I mean, my hair salon. Mm-hmm. If I'm late, oh my goodness, my hair person would be furious at me. I'm nervous because she he give you the stink eye when you walk he's in. Tap, well, he's like Lisa. I'm, like, I'm sorry, there was traffic, but I would call, of course, and say. But then, you know, then it pushes the next person back. Yeah. You know, it's not like they haven't seen me. You know, you want to relax because this is a place you want to go to. You don't want to mm-hmm. go and you know get in trouble from the the hair salon. So. This is kind of a not strange question, but I've had a debate with somebody who's um, uh, in in massage, uh, I guess, world. And do you take your underpants off or don't you? So funny. Just <laughs> true, because it's like so. I I I stopped taking my boxers off because I thought, you know what, this is kind of creepy. Like, why would I do this? Okay. And then I, I, I and then I feel like they were irritated at me. So I, I have this know. conversation only with men. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> Never women. And the number one man who asks the question is my husband. <laughs> so my husband has the rule. He also does not take his underwear off, but he tells the masseuse, if you don't see it, don't touch it. And so that's why he leaves them one day. If you don't, see, you know, like meaning if they're covered up, stay away from the area. And so I say, you've got to be kidding. The glutes Everything is connected to oh, the gluteus yeah. maximus. Yes. Of course, I'm you know naked as a jaybird. Of course, but if you feel uncomfortable with a female masseuse, is that it? Like my husband only likes females. He doesn't like male massage therapists. So I say I don't care. I'll take a female or a male, whoever can do it. But I mean, to me, you're missing out on the massage. It's more yeah. that than. But if you're you know, sensitive and you're conservative and you feel like, oh, I shouldn't, you know, be naked. I don't want to see my body. Then by all means, that's a personal and they shouldn't be upset. Whoever you're. So you've never had a, a, heard the chatter from masseuse like everyone takes their dang pants off. Oh, never. I think it would be unprofessional to do that. I mean, maybe if I had a friend who was a a massage therapist, but no, I've, I've never heard that. I mean, that is one profession where you have to be, you know, very professional. (laughs) Yeah. So to speak. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Because, you know, you're dealing with the body and you kind of get close to body parts. And I find, too, that um, I just had a massage in Healdsburg and they don't ever massage the stomach unless you ask them. And that's uh-huh. something I've learned. Because ticklish? Um, I think because you don't have anything on and they got to cover like top of you and bottom of you. And I just think it's, you know, it's more personal than like a back or a leg or an arm. I don't know. But... Uh, I think you do what makes you feel comfortable in that sense. But to to be or to have someone be angry at you, that sounds. No, I'm just just, I'm glad to put that to rest. It makes me feel more comfortable. Whatever works for you. (laughs) Um, uh, The business card etiquette. That's an interesting one. This is important. Business card etiquette. Double hand. Double hand when you're in 
China or Japan. Yes. yes. And you know, having your name imprinted both in Chinese and U.S. One side is Chinese, mm. Japanese, and the other side would be American. And you would hand it. Um, actually, in Japan more so, mm. um, the side up towards them in their language, and then the American. English part would be on the back. But in terms of business cards, I mean, there's business cards and there's calling cards. Today, when I came in, I gave you both my business card. Mm -hmm. I also have calling cards. Mm -hmm. I didn't give you my calling card, but my calling card, if I don't want someone to have all my information, it just has my phone number. Oh, you need to get a hold of me. Really important to carry business cards in the day, obviously, but at night for social occasions. Because you never know at night if where an opportunity is going to meet itself or you're going to meet someone. And so mm -hmm. always replenish your cards. I did that today before I came. Oh, do I have enough cards? You need to get new cards. Right? Always have an extra. Some I leave a pile in my car, too, because in case I forget, then I can run in my car and get them. And never give out soil cards. Oh, this is a pet peeve of mine. I mean, that's the worst. Because the, the card and the front and the back are always going to be a little bent. Uh -huh. So I always give cards in the middle, you uh -huh. see, so they're clean and they're neat, you know. Right. And then when I get a card from someone, I make sure that I don't give that card back out to someone else. So I always stick it in the very back of my cards because I know I'm never going to take a card from the back. Mm -hmm. But just make sure you have them, um, you know, give them out. It's a great way to follow up. Do you ever find that that's, uh, I kind of feel like I don't actually give that many cards out because I feel it's too pushy or, in, in a way. Does and anybody else feel that way? Yes, a lot of people. And really, it gives, a business card is a gift that you give someone. So you really shouldn't just say, oh, hi, I'm Jeff Charlotte. It should be, you know, you're having a conversation, maybe at a cocktail party, you're talking about something and say, oh, well, I'd love to chat with you more about this or, you know, here's my site. Absolutely. You shouldn't just hand your cards out to everyone yeah. randomly. But, I, but I'm, I always sort of think if they want to find me, they will find me. It's just a Google away. It is, but not a lot of people are that adept mm. at computers. I mean, I Google my other best friend I, 20, 30 times a day, but not everyone can do that. And I'll say to someone, why don't you just Google it? And they'll giggle and say, well, that's just easy for you. I said, it's easy for anyone. The world is your oyster online. You can do anything you want. You can find anything you want. You're absolutely right. Okay, back to dining, because now I'm, I'm thinking of another question. Like, Barbara did such a great job of getting people together that she really thought would get along well, you know? But what about bringing people together that you think it would be good that they um, learn something from each other? You know, yes. is there Are there some rules, you know, with pairing sort of different ways? That's a great Guess. question. You have good ones. Yes. In fact, when you're having a party, I think the the guests are more important than the food. Uh, like I said, at, at least the guests and how you place them and you seat them. When we have a dinner party, we always look at our guest list and say, okay, how are we going to seat these people? Now, Barbara's was more informal because it was a brunch, mm -hmm. but you never want to seat a real quiet person um, next to another quiet person. Because mm -hmm. then what? You're going to have two, you know, wallflowers. So you always need to see some more, you know, like a chatty Kathy need next to a quiet person. <laughs> so they can engage in conversation. This is key. Yes. This is really, really important. I think that's why Barbara put you and I together. <laughs> <laughs> because you're quiet and I'm yes. outgoing. I can't really remember. I felt like I was, we were all kind of all over the place. Yeah, it was. But um, I think that's so important. And I remember one night many years ago at our home, we had a dinner party and and I said to my husband, I'm kind of worried about the group we put together. And he said, no, I think it's going to go fine. And we arranged it just so, place cards. I, you know, he's married to Miss Etiquette. So I said, okay, tell me what you think. And I did lovely place cards. He goes, great. It was one of the most boring evenings I have ever had. Yet all of our guests after said, 
we had so much fun. I mean, it was a really nice thing to say. And I told John, he goes, no, I think they had a great time. We were bored, but we're the hosts. You know, I mean, I think we, we sat people accordingly. And since my husband and I are both outgoing, we sat next to, you know, quieter people. Uh-huh. And that's oh. probably, you know, why we were bored. I have events where, I mean, medium-sized events. I mean, we have like 100 people or 50 or, you know, we have dinner parties also. But I also can sometimes want to just invite the people I like. Yes. And, they may not get along. You know, like, these people are important to me. I want them to come to my party. You know, if it's... Do you know that ahead of time, people, or do you find it out when you get there? I just don't put much thought into it. I don't either. I, I mean, I really don't. I just put more thought into when I do seat, if there is a seating. If there's... Uh-huh. Listen, it's a lot easier if you have 50 or 100. Because if someone's having a, you know, a small talk yeah. with someone, and they don't get along, they're going to move on to the next person. I yeah. think it's a lot easier when you don't... When you get seated at a dinner for two hours and you think, oh, how am I going to do this? It's going to be awful. Now, on that same note, this happened last year at a, an event in San Francisco, a very large event, and we had done place cards for the table. And someone moved them, one of the guests at the table, before the dinner started. That's got to be bad etiquette. <laughs> it, was so, it was so bad that I wrote a story on it after. I was oh. Furious, but of course I can't say anything. It's too late. Oh, oh do you mind just getting up and going back to? Your but you know table, when you've done it and seat, you please? look and you go, okay, this, this isn't right. This is our guest, and he was a VIP, and I purposely sat him next to someone that would help him. He had just moved here, and he is next to someone's date. You know, it was just a disaster, and that's really in poor taste. If you can't sit where someone has placed you for you know a two-hour time period, well, shame on you. There's always a cocktail party. There's before, after. But during the performance after, all I could think was, what am I going to call the story? And I wrote a piece about it. What did you call it? I can't remember. It's on my list. (laughs) Party Don't Forgets. I think that's it. Party, oh, yeah. don't forget. Yeah, tell me people. how to have a better event. You know, what, if what you're having goals? a, you know, a, your hair, you're having, you have an updo, it's a black tie event, and you're wearing chopstick in your hair, you're going to have to take them out. They're going to block someone's view behind you or a big hat. I always tell people, don't ever wear, for instance, live performance, which this was, don't wear a, a charm bracelet that's going to make, you know, copious amounts of noises during the performance. Mm-hmm. Don't talk to the people around you. That's so rude. And, you know, the whispering, even in a movie theater, is worse sometimes than the actual talk because you're you want to shush them and say be quiet and so you know again i just come back to kind of the golden rule treating people as you want to be treated popular hostess etiquette yeah how to be a good hostess yeah how do you be the best hostess how do you be or host or host dudes out there just the the generic for like actor actress host you know always making your guests feel comfortable like they're the most important person at the party when you're a host you need to stand by the door when guests are arriving if it's 50 to 100 you're going to be there for a while you know welcome always introducing them to someone so they have a platform to move into small talk showing them where to hang their coats or take their coats showing them where the restroom is you know make them feel comfortable Here's the bar. Here's where the buffet is. Enjoy yourself. And then try to hook them up with, you know, people that you know, know them. You know, someone in common so you can start them off on conversation. I mean, those are just wonderful, mm. gracious it is nice. hostess tips. I know. Trey and I sometimes split that up where she'll, you know, she'll be by the door. Absolutely. And I'll be like across the room or something so we can kind of tag team a little bit. No question. My husband and I do the same. I stay by the door if it's a big party and he's mingling or pouring or absolutely. But it's just important to be there when people enter, unless they're going to be an hour late and you don't know it. And then it's like, well, too bad. Mm -hmm. Then they can come in and 
then you can greet them. And some of this, like you said, it's, uh, I guess that you just, it evolves and you know that that's the right thing to do. Like, it, I don't know if I've ever, you know, And, and I bet you do know it. You know, one, Jeff, one of my favorite clients, I always go back to her. Um, she called me when I first started my business and she said, can I do a one-on-one class with you? Because I never did that. I mean, I said, I will, but you know, it's going to be a little pricey. I like a big room. You're like, basically, <laughs> well, I'm used, yeah, I'm used 10 to, to 20. I want, yeah. you know, it's easier for people to interact. And she said, no, I really, I'm, I want to do this. I'm going to take the day off. And I said, okay. So we spent the whole day together, literally 10 to 10 to five. And she was in a position where, um, she worked for um, a financial planner, and he obviously saw a lot in her. The woman had not gone to college, and she was self-taught, but she was obviously very bright, and he had promoted her. But something happened one day in her office where some clients came in, or the children of clients, and for some reason, she was made to feel inferior. And she said, mm. I never want to feel that way again because I felt like I didn't know the rules and I felt disadvantaged. And of course, I mean, I was like going to blow my top because, you know, people with a good pedigree know better than that. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, they thought she was beneath them because she worked there. Well, she was a smart girl. Mm-hmm. So we spent the day together. And just like you just said, as we went through every topic, she said, I know a lot more than I thought I did, you know, and she just didn't have the, her parents didn't really teach her, but she had just learned it from, you know, work. And, and after she left, I said, do me a favor, because she took a personal day because she wasn't getting paid. And I said, do me a favor. When you go back to the office, tell your boss what you did. And she did. And I knew he would offer to pay for it, which he did. And he Mm -hmm. said, anytime, I think it's wonderful. Anytime you want to go back and do it, you know, feel free. But I gave her so much credit because most people hear, oh, we're going to have Lisa Gratz, the etiquette expert, come in and their eyes roll. And they think it's just, you know, I'm used to that. There's always one or two who knows more than I do. And that's fine. I'm here to teach the rules and reinforce them. Whether you use them or not, it's really, you know, up to you. But when a company hires me, they obviously want you to be a good, you know, representative of their company. And, mm-hmm. you know, this is how it works. Mm-hmm. Uh, toasting etiquette. Mm. Um, toasting etiquette. Um, toasting back to the host. Yes. Because the, the host would, you know, say, cheers, guys. Everyone, thanks for coming. Exactly. This, the chef was amazing. You could teach what, the what class. About toasting back to the host. And I, and I also want to, yeah. you know, chime yeah. in. Yes, absolutely. Uh, the toast of welcome. Mm-hmm. Uh, the host or hostess usually says, yeah. you know, thank you for everyone for coming. Raise your glass. Bon appetit. What about for shy people? Well, when, when they want to, they're hosting and they really do need to stand up and sort of say something. Well, the rule but... for standing for a toast is really you don't need to stand unless there's 10 people or more. So at a small dinner party. Hmm. And really, it makes sense. When there's 10 people, generally everyone can hear you, but more than 10... Mm-hmm. You, you have to stand up so you can be heard and get everyone's attention. Right. So there's one misnomer for toast, and that is you're not supposed to clink, clink, clink your glass, mm. even though everyone does it, because mm. that's only going to break your precious china. You're not supposed to. You're just supposed to wait until people stop talking, a which good, is hard. A good throat clearing. Right, and say, ah, and, but you know how when you don't talk and everyone's around you, all of a sudden it gets quiet. Thank you. And then they will give their little talk. But I think um, also for toast, it's good to remember that a toast is not a roast. It's, you know, a quick, people that stay on there for hours and want to talk, you know, it's a a toast, not a roast. You just want to be quick and say thank you. And if there is a guest of honor, like you say, if if I'm just having you and a group over, we would just, my husband would probably say welcome. But if there was a guest of honor, someone later during dinner or towards dessert would, you know, talk about them. And then the guest of honor would have to get up and toast 
the host. Yes. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Kind of to say thank you. Well, we you. were at an event last weekend in Healdsburg. Do you know Monty and Annie Woods? Yes. They so were they back? hosted something from them. Burks. Uh, it, was a, it was a kind of count me in gala auction item. Oh. So they had awesome food from some of the. I some missed of the, it. Was from Middleton Farm. It was only you had. We all pooled and bought it as an auction item, and then they hosted it. <coughs> um, so you didn't miss out. Oh. Yeah, and so but, you know, Monty gave a toast at the beginning of it, and that was beautiful. Towards the end, um, we're. Uh, Trey kind of nudged me. She's like, "You should say cheers to Monty and Annie, so they feel like they had done right." You it's know, lovely. Good. Um, okay. Yes, absolutely. And I and I kept it really short, so as not to try to. My friend. Be a boss. You know? No, no, that's just to acknowledge their generosity. Mm-hmm. Do you know Alon Pire in Healdsburg? He's he's yeah. a friend, but he was yeah. our realtor. Mm-hmm. He is so good at making his guests feel comfortable. I always use Alon as my example because whenever he comes to our home for dinner, and we you know say welcome, he's always the one. As is my other friend Natasha. She does the same. I need to give her credit. That always, some point during the dinner, say I would like to thank our hosts for this lovely dinner, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that's very gracious. It's mm-hmm. a very nice thing to do. There's and no right or wrong there. You know, you know what I'm saying? too small of a party to, to give um, a cheers or a toast. Two? <laughs> I mean, unless you want to... You're on a date and you're like, this well, is you. I mean, sometimes my husband will go, cheers, yeah. but, you know, we don't really talk. We and, just and don't. So here's to you, well. darling. You know when, again... We, we have to use our head there. It's just common yeah. sense. But that's it's cute. But that's good comedy, and that could that could be also warmly received. You bet. You know. Um, okay, so this is a question I always try to ask everybody. Favorite? What's your favorite room in your house, and why? That's the dash of design part of the. Episode. Well, I'm embarrassed to say, but it's actually my powder room. Really? Yes. You love design, too. I do. I love, love design. Our design is that lovely scalamandra wallpaper with the zebras. I know you know it. It's from that bar in New York that was in red. I'm a, I've it's been, red with the zebras Right, and, and ours arrows. is like chocolate brown, mm. kind of. And I just, I've always loved powder rooms. My mother always had a powder room that was wallpapered, and we had a gorgeous one in our home on Jackson Street. Same. I love chinoiserie, and it was very, you know, kind of Asian in design. And I just, mm. I like the feel of it. I like going in that room. It's the smallest room in the house, and it's my favorite. Yeah, it's a moment. It's kind of a break it is from a the moment. rest of the house. It just makes me feel good. I like to walk by you, and just look in. You went into our bathroom right here. I, did you hear what I said? I said, yeah. oh, their bathroom's beautiful. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, yes. it's just fun to kind of like get out of this white space and go into no. something a little crazy. Oh, you're designers. It's lovely. Mm. Well, thank you for coming and chatting. Thank you it for having really me. It went really fast, and that's, you know, that's a... Um, that's, testament to how fun you are to talk to. Thank you. Or a good guest. Thank you for having me. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Cheers. Cheers.